Alright, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fellow Trash Talkers. Whatever time you are tuning in, I'm glad to have you on board once again. You're listening to Trash Talk with D Bork, and I'm your host, Dave Bork. It is Wednesday, the 17th of January, 2024, and this is episode number 14 of our NFL pod, Super Wildcard Weekend Recap. Yep, that is the playoffs, week one, done and dusted. Crazy week. Crazy, crazy week. Few upsets involved in week one. Few that we did not see coming. Couple that a lot of uh, other people did. Just a typical Dallas Cowboys choke. <laughs> Can't expect much less. Sorry, Cowboys fans. Uh, yeah, we're going to run through our best of the best for the Super Wildcard weekend. We'll also take out some trash, and there is plenty of that after week one of the playoffs. Philly, boy, oh boy. 10-1 start to the season. How on earth do you get bundled out in week one? Lord knows. We'll also run through our best bets for week two of the playoffs and a little uh, week one playoff recap of how we went down there. A lot of bets floating about, a lot of same-game parlays, a lot of touchdown scorers. Yeah, we'll run through them all. <laughs> uh, we'll start our best of the best with none other than Jason Kelsey. We'll start it off with him. Understand he has been bundled out of the playoffs, but the man retired today. 13 years with the Philadelphia Eagles. He is a Super Bowl champion after defeating Thomas Brady. A loss to his brother last year. Tough one, that one, but... Still, I mean, a, a phenomenal effort from from him. Seven-time pro, pro bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, runner-up in Sexiest Man of the Year as well. <laughs> That's probably the biggest accolade that he's got. <laughs> he can now enjoy uh, his post-football career with his beautiful wife, Kylie, and their kids running around the house. You can protect those knees now, Jason. You can put your feet up, mate. If anyone hasn't watched his documentary, I highly recommend that. It's a, it's a great watch. I think he's definitely got a career in the commentary booth after this. He's done and Dustin. He did a bit of work for Prime this year with them on their Thursday night footy. So, yeah, I think this isn't the last that we're going to see of Jason, but it's the last we're going to see of him on the footy field, and he left it all out there. So congrats on a phenomenal career. Phenomenal. It really, really was. All right, let's start with our best of, the best of the actual week one of the playoffs. And how can we not start with game one of week one? Uh, the Houston Texans, Mr. CJ Stroud and Nico Collins. Boy, oh boy, man, this, this rookie is just so good. 16 to 21 for 274 and three touchdowns. I think, I think when... Houston lost Tank Dell. I think a lot of people would have thought, mm, that's probably it. I don't I don't know if CJ's going to have another guy. But clearly he's found Nico Collins, who was playing pretty well, I guess, while, while Dell was there. But he's just it's gone to another level. Six receptions for him for 96 yards and one touchdown. Devin Singletary was also very, very solid on the ground against a tough Browns rush defense. He had 66 yards for one touchdown. I mean, this this Houston defense actually stood up as well against Joe Flacco. We mentioned last week that he has been prone to throwing the odd pick, and he threw two pick sixes in the one quarter. I mean, that's tough to do. In a game that was actually pretty tight, it was going score for score a lot, and unfortunately Joe threw a couple of picks, uh, pick sixes, sorry, and... Yeah, finished 45-14. to 14. I think the score scoreboard probably gets away from him a little bit. I don't think it was that much of a blowout. But either way, super impressive win from the Houston Texans. I think a lot of people would have thought with the Browns' defense coming in that they they were going to do a number on CJ Stroud. But again, mentioned earlier, they've 
struggled on the road. They really have. As dominant as they were at home, they struggled on the road and Stroud found these guys early and often, uh, passing over the top for Dalton Schultz for his nice little touchdown there, which we'll give that one a tick. That was a that was a good find. He wasn't very busy though himself, Dalton Schultz, but at the end of the day, CJ just distributed the ball to just about everyone else. Not a big, in terms of passing attempts game, but they didn't really need it. Super impressive. It really was. I think a lot of people would have thought they weren't going to make the playoffs at all this year, especially with the rookie QB. It would have been either you know Jacksonville or potentially Tennessee, I guess, to a to a lesser degree, playing a, a home playoff game in the AFC South. But Houston's there, probably here to stay. To be honest with you, as long as CJ Stroud's around, they can keep giving him more weapons on the outside to play with. And they now travel to to Baltimore in week two. Baltimore having that week off. I think Lamar is chirping at the bit ready to go every chance that mark andrews comes back in this game so this game could be pretty exciting it will be for sure and either way even if houston lose they've far exceeded expectations this year but you'd never rule out cj stroud in week two of the playoffs so yeah huge game from him and nico collins there our second game on super wildcard weekend was the kansas city chiefs and the miami dolphins in probably the coldest conditions of all time yeah, this Miami team is just a debacle, I guess, to, to finish the season from them. There were just some games this season where they it just looked like they barely knew how to play footy, and this and this was one of them. They struggled in the cold conditions. They really did. And it wasn't Patrick Mahomes and you know Travis Kelsey who were you know dominant in this one. It was their two young studs, really, Isaiah Pacheco and Rashi Rice. Pacheco ran for 89 and one touchdown. He runs the ball super angry. He really does. He's like a little bull. He really is. And and a guy who's just been exceptional this year is Rasheed Rice. He had 130 yards on eight receptions and a touchdown. Got one wiped off the board as well. He is clear wide receiver one in Kansas City. He really is. I think a lot of people thought once Tyreek Hill left the Chiefs that they were going to struggle for a little bit. But Rice has come in this year and has just been so, so good. Outside of him... On uh, in that game on Sunday, you know, you had Travis Kelsey probably had his best game that he's had in quite some time. He had seven receptions for 71 in minus 27 or minus 30 conditions out there in KC. It was cold. <laughs> there were there were videos coming out during the game where they were actually keeping drinks warm in the fridge because as soon as they took him out they'd actually start to freeze <laughs> so, yeah i think a lot of fans were probably left angry at the concession stands because most of them as soon as you'd buy them would just freeze up and you couldn't actually drink anything so <laughs> yeah i mean credit to anyone who actually went out <laughs> out to that game and watched their two teams battle yeah either way a, a bitter end to the season for the miami dolphins because they're a team that came in averaging pretty much 26 points a game, and this Chiefs D really just shut him down in the night in a 26-7 victory. Tua didn't look like he had a whole much. He found Tyreek Hill early for that bomb to, to kind of give him a little bit of life, but they couldn't get any really ground game going to, to keep the ball away from Kansas City, and at the end of the day, this Chiefs team is just a team who knows how to play in those conditions, and I don't know, I don't know if you could blame the conditions on a loss like that for the Dolphins but either way two teams have got to play footy and Miami did not <laughs> they really did it <laughs> they were bad they were so the Kansas City Chiefs now go on to play the Buffalo Bills 
in week two in a matchup that we have all been waiting for. So that should be an absolute cracker. And, you know, where to now for this Miami Dolphins team? It's, I don't know, do you, do you keep going ahead with Tua? Have you made strides this season to say, all right, we're good, we're going to win the division next year? But then you look at the division next year, Aaron Rodgers comes back into play now for the New York Jets, so that division gets a whole lot tougher. You're probably going to stick with Tua, but you, you're going to need pieces around him, I think. Obviously, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are very good, but they didn't really have a big fella over the middle, and as a tight end, maybe that's something that they target in the draft coming up. You're going to need something over the middle. As much as they relied on most of it, and Devon Archain, who missed a lot of time during the season through injury, and most of it came into that matchup a little bit banged up, I still think you're going to need an extra piece or so to help this offense out. Otherwise, you're just relying on Tyreek Hill to pop off. And once he was shut down, apart from that bomb tight end that he had, that was really it. That was all we saw from Tyreek in, in the entire game. So, yeah, you're going to need another piece there for sure. I mean, what, who wouldn't want to go uh, live in Miami, to be honest with you? So, yeah, I think they're going to be active in the market next season for sure because you can't go in again with this roster thinking that you're going to win a Super Bowl. It's not going to be enough, especially in a division as tough as theirs next season. This one was a shocker. It really was. Jerry World, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, it wasn't a shock, you know, Dallas lose all the time. Not in this fashion. Wow. Jordan Love and Aaron Jones, phenomenal. Love, very similar numbers to uh, CJ Stroud, pretty much a perfect passer rating. He went 16 for 21 for 272. Stroud went 16 for 21 for 274. Both went for three touchdowns. Aaron Jones, 118 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. They completely embarrassed the Dallas Cowboys. They really did, 48 to 32. The scoreboard somewhat looks respectable for Dallas. It really does, because they were absolutely belted. They were. Now, Green Bay came into this match pretty much having one of the worst rush defenses in the league, and they held Tony Pollard to 15 rushing attempts for 56 and one touchdown. You know, when you look at Dak's side of things, and Dak threw 60 passing attempts. He went 41 of 60. Three touchdowns, two picks. Pollard had a couple of decent runs early, and seeing what he did early should have given Dallas the confidence to continue to go to him. Make it a Tony Pollard game. We know Dak can do what he does. And that's air the hell out of the ball. But Pollard hasn't had one of those games where he pops off for 100, which in a game against that Green Bay defense, you easily can. And just control the pill. Because as much as everyone said, oh, I don't think Jordan loves the guy, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you look at it now, and he's clearly not afraid of the moment. He's not. He found open receivers everywhere in this one. And if you're going to run the ball as well as they did with Aaron Jones, life's pretty simple for, for Jordan Love because you're going to have to try and stop the run, and that opens up a lot of one-on-ones on the outside. And this young, young, young Green Bay team aren't afraid of the moment. Jaden Reed did nothing in that game. He didn't have to because that... Touchdown pass that loved through to Luke Musgrave where I think people in the opposing stands were probably the closest closest coverage to him. That was ridiculous. It was. It's so concerning for Dallas, but all credit to the Green Bay Packers because they went into that game and said, give us the ball first, we're scoring, and let's go from here. And they did. They weren't afraid of the moment. 
an awesome result for them. They now go on to play the San Francisco 49ers, and they've got to go in thinking, well, we just knocked off the Cowboys when no one gave us a chance. So we're playing with house money at the moment, going to San Fran and try and knock off, you know, a very good team, obviously. But it's a team who can defend the run a lot better than what that Dallas Cowboys team does. So they're probably going to force Jordan Love to make plays, and right now, the way he is playing... I don't know, why can't he upset the San Francisco 49ers? I don't think San Fran's going to want to get into an ultra shootout with them. I think there's going to be points in that match for sure, but I don't think you want it to be possession by possession based. You want to keep Jordan Love off that field as much as possible, so we're going to see a lot of C-Mac for sure. I think they're going to stop Aaron Jones, so we're going to see, I think, a lot more of you know Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs especially against the secondary for San Fran, which has probably been their down point this year, for sure. So I think it's going to be a very, very exciting exciting matchup, no doubt, in in San Francisco on Sunday, our second game on Sunday, that one is. So, But yeah, big congrats to the Green Bay Packers because yeah, they're similar to Houston, have far exceeded expectations and are playing with house money in week two. Speaking of a team... Who, well, I don't know, far exceeded expectations, but they now have a second home playoff game for the first time in their playoff history. The Detroit Lions, the brand new Lions, Jared Goff, Monroe St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson, and the boys, they are flying around. Jared Goff went 22 of 27 for 277 and a touchdown. Amonra, seven receptions for 110. They found Josh Reynolds early and often, and he and Jared Goff obviously former Los Angeles Rams they were enormous early on in that game really set the tone found Reynolds on five receptions for 80 yards I think the play that's going to probably stand out in Detroit Lions folklore is that Jared Goff connect to Amonra St. Brown on second and nine to win the game and it just shows that MCDC is not afraid of winning games he's not I think a lot of people would have been like all right handoff handoff and then go Third and long, damn, we've got to make a play. Nah, let's just get that play early and often and kneel this thing out. Let's celebrate early. And he did. He did. I think going into that game, a lot of people, everyone was just talking about, you know, Matty Stafford's return to Detroit. No one even mentioned Jared Goff. It wasn't. It was all about Stafford and how he's going to come in and ruin the plans for the Detroit Lions to march on. And Stafford played very good. He did. He went 25 of 36 for 367 and two touchdowns. It wasn't like he played bad. Puka Nakua went nine, a nine receptions for 181. But I think the biggest thing that the Detroit Lions did, and it's a team, again, you know, you look at Nakua's stats and you think, damn, they can't defend the pass at all. But they made big plays inside the red zone and stopped Cooper Cup big time. They did. He didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, and if you think, you know, a couple of years ago when, when the Rams won the Super Bowl, it was all Cooper Cup. It really was. Uh, but they stopped him a couple of times, forcing some field goals. That second half was an absolute grind. It was a grind. Had 38 at halftime. It finished 24 to 23. And, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where I, th- I almost think that the Lions just had to get over the hump there. You're going to see... It's almost like a, a weight just got lifted off their shoulders. They were playing for the city of Detroit there. They were. So that win could do them all, all the good going into week two because they don't have that pressure on them anymore. They kind of do to a certain degree saying they should win week two now against Tampa Bay. But at the same time, 
that was the win they had to have. That was the win to finally close that chapter on Matty Stafford, that thing that was just hanging over their head for all this time because everyone is now there to support them. Eminem was there. Megatron was there. Barry Sanders, like everyone was at that game for Detroit. Week two is going to be so loud in that building, probably louder than it was even in week one. And because I don't think a lot of people in Detroit, probably no one thought they were going to have two two home playoff games. They could have three if San Fran, <laughs> San Fran lose and Detroit end up winning. But yeah, they're going to they're gonna come out. They'll sell this game out. They'll be there early. Baker Mayfield's going to have to deal with some stuff for sure. But a huge result for the Detroit Lions. And they may very well be turning the corner and are now two wins away from a Super Bowl appearance. Huge win. Huge, huge win. A game that was postponed in week one due to some ridiculous snowstorm that was going down in Buffalo. Josh Allen, what a guy, honestly. 21-30, 203 yards for three touchdowns. Also had eight rushes for 74 yards. A huge rushing touchdown, which completely opened the game up for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, 52-yard rushing touchdown there. I think a lot of people thought he was fake sliding. He was not. That was just an ultimate juke step and just said, see you later, bang, I'm going to the house. He looked after the ball as well in this one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was huge for them. It's always been a thing with Josh that he has been capable of making that dumb play that's going to give the opposition the ball back. But no, he looked after it. He was smart about his stuff. He didn't have a lot of deep deep shots in this one. Obviously found Knox and Kincaid over the top. Super smart win. It was. Look, they survived, I guess if you want to call it that, because it, it did get to a point in that match where it was like, if Pittsburgh score next, this is game on. And it was. I mean, it was a seven-point game at one point in that third quarter, but they hold on in the end. It now sets up an enormous rivalry matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. It does. And if James Cook can run the ball as well as he did, he had 79 yards on 18 attempts. Kincaid needs to produce like that, if not more. Had 59 yards on three receptions and a touchdown. I think he is, he's big time for them because obviously outside of Stefan Diggs, they don't really have that number two guy. And I think it's got to be him. It does. Dawson Knox can get busy, but I think they would definitely want to use him a lot more in that run blocking game. Whereas Kincaid, they just want to open up and get him down that sideline or kind of open along the middle as well uh, to help out Stefan Diggs get some space one-on-one. But a huge result for the Bills. It was just something that they they needed to get done at the end of the day. I think a lot, they were the biggest favorite of the week. Played like it early, then did Buffalo things to allow Pittsburgh back in that game. But all is well that ends well in Buffalo and they get themselves a, another home final in week two against the Kansas City Chiefs. Can't wait for that. We all know that last meeting broke the internet, so he's hoping we get another absolute belter. Our last game of Super Wildcard Weekend was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles. No more fly, Eagles fly. They were abysmal. Baker was not. 22 of 36, 337 yards and three touchdowns. Just a monster year for Baker Mayfield. For, I guess, a man that no one, probably even including the organization, saw this one coming. I don't think they did because if you listen to a lot of reports kind of going into the season, I think a lot of people thought Baker just, you know, you've got about five or six weeks, see what you got. If you, you know, lose the majority of games, we'll probably sit you for Kyle Trask and then we'll look at drafting a 
at quarterback early in the draft next year. You know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whatever, one of those guys will just land in our laps because we're not going to be good enough. Lo and behold, Baker Mayfield's got this team to week two of the playoffs. He, he found Kate Otten a lot over the middle against an abysmal Eagles secondary. He had 89 yards on eight receptions and you know, just kicked out last year's Super Bowl runners-up. Said it before, this team started 10-1 and one and now they're out in week one of the playoffs. They looked awful. I know they didn't have A.J. Brown, but at the end of the day, you've just got to go in and beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay have been extremely overrated this year, playing in a an awful NFC South. Someone had to get into the playoffs, and <laughs> they did. But they took care of business at home. They did. Baker found his guys, Godwin, Otten, Mike Evans. Mike Evans dropping one over the top, which wasn't ideal. But there's... Their receivers just torched the secondary. Like some of the tackling attempts from that Philadelphia defense was awful. It really was. It was bad. But we'll talk about them in our trash segment going up. Speaking of which, that is the best of the best wrapped up. So why don't we take out some trash and uh, we get a pretty big poll after week one of the NFL playoffs. All right, let's go to Dallas first. <laughs> Dallas, wow. They were torched at home by a first-year starting quarterback, Jordan Love. I know he's been in the system for, for a few years now, but it doesn't matter. Torched by him and their rookie receivers. It wasn't like Green Bay have, I don't know, a Devontae Adams or someone like that to throw at you, and he goes for 150, and it's like, oh, fair enough, we are beaten by the elite of the elite. No, you were just beat by a bunch of kids in your home stadium at Jerry World with all this talk about how good Dan Quinn's defense was. They got absolutely lit up at home. Romeo Dobbs went for 150. Musgrave went for 52. Wicks, 25. Kraft, 15. Obviously, Aaron Jones just ran right through them. They weren't afraid of the moment. It looked like Dallas were. To be honest with you, some of those picks that Dak threw were horrendous on the on the offensive side of the ball. Him and CD Lamb, something was going on to start that game. I don't I don't know what was going on. It was like the first couple of passes, and CD looked like he didn't want to be out there. They were arguing. It was super strange. It really, really was. But again, outside of Dak and CD, we just mentioned it earlier. Like they should have gone to Tony Pollard in that game. Simple as that. Green Bay have been destroyed probably outside of that Chicago game by just about everyone on the ground. They really have. And this, the Dallas body language is just horrendous. It was. Like I said, scoreboard makes them look somewhat respectable. Only losing by 16. They scored a couple of late touchdowns to get that back, but just embarrassing. It was. And I know they let down their fans a lot. It's what Dallas do. But how many more years are we going to take that? All these reports about, is Mike McCarthy gone? I don't know if he's the problem. He's still, he won the division. He's not the one out there throwing those passes. Dak is. Yeah, get it. It's his game plan. And the game plan was terrible. But I think you've got to give him maybe one more crack along with Dak. Otherwise, this is starting to get old, I think, for a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans. It really is. Because until they can... Get over this hump, at the very least make an NFC title game. 
boy oh boy it's embarrassing it is it, it, it's probably killed off any chance that Dan Quinn has of getting a head coaching job after getting torched like that do Dallas even bring him back after that I don't know it's going to be interesting be a very interesting off season in Jerry World for sure it will speaking of teams who completely went away from what worked for them or what should have worked which was the run game Pittsburgh Steelers Najee Harris Jimmy Warren two guys that have literally carried Pittsburgh on the ground over the last month to get them here so why are we abandoning the run now what are we doing Najee Harris had pretty much back-to-back 25-plus carry games in the last two weeks leading up to that game against Buffalo. And in pretty average conditions, you know, the snowstorm that we had in Buffalo, why are we not running the ball? I get it that you copped a couple of early touchdowns, but there was still so much time left in that game to get back to what has worked for you. And it wasn't working through the air, so why are we abandoning guys that have... I don't know, ran all over every defense. And if there's something Buffalo can't do well, it is defend the run. And they didn't go to him. They didn't. Najee had a run in the third quarter where it looked like Pittsburgh were making a crack or taking a crack in that game. May have actually been in the second quarter when, when Mason Rudolph actually threw that, pit, threw that pick in the end zone. But he ran one in for about, I don't know, 13, 14 yards and they took him out of the game and went two straight passes and had a three and out. What are you doing? Then you get it inside the 10 and Mason Rudolph throws that pick. Hand the ball off three or four times and I guarantee you Najee Harris or Jimmy Warren are getting in the end zone. You're going away from what worked for you so it doesn't make sense to abandon the run that got you there in the first place. Like Mason Rudolph ain't no Josh Allen or Brock Purdy or something like that. <laughs> Go with your strength. This is why you are now going to Cancun. You ain't in the playoffs anymore. I get it. You probably shouldn't have got there in the first place. But the reason you got there in the first place was because you were able to run the ball and you completely abandoned that in Buffalo. So enjoy the offseason. Yeah, frustrating. Speaking of stupidity and not knowing how to rush the ball, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're another team who continue to forget all year who their best weapon was. No, it wasn't AJ Brown. No, it wasn't Devonta Smith. No, it wasn't Dallas Goddard. It was DeAndre Swift. Last time out, DeAndre Swift ran for 130 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A rarity for Tampa, who, you know, are usually pretty decent against the run and bad in their secondary. But they completely brushed DeAndre Swift early and often. Swift ran for 12 or so in that first drive for the Philadelphia Eagles, and then they, they completely brushed him either to Kenneth Gainwell or just tried to get into that passing game, which was a you know complete stupidity for a Philly team who you ever want to get into a shootout with because their defense can't probably stop me running around and running into the end zone. Again, similar to, to Dallas to a certain degree, the scoreboard actually looks respectable somewhat at the end of that game with Tampa only winning, was it, 32-9? to nine? Probably should have been 40-odd because they settled for a few field goals when they couldn't score. And, that, and the only reason why they couldn't score is because their receivers were dropping them in the end zone. You know, Mike Evans dropped one. So it's just it's embarrassing for a team who clearly had Super Bowl aspirations halfway through the season. They were Super Bowl favorites, obviously, when they were 10-1. and one, And they got their ass kicked. Really did in Tampa. It was embarrassing. 
It really was. I don't know what they're going to do with Sirianni. Oh, their whole defensive unit just needs to go. Just put a line through them straight away. They obviously now lose Jason Kelsey with through retirement. It could be a long offseason for the Eagles and a team that, you know, was at the top of the top and now might see themselves in a mini rebuild next year. They clearly have the receivers. They clearly got it going on, but they need to realize who their best running back is because it shouldn't be by committee there. It's clearly DeAndre Swift. Why do we keep bringing in Kenneth Gainwell or then trying to run Jalen? There's a reason why Jalen looks hurt because he's getting hit all the time. Run DeAndre Swift. He is your best player. Maybe figure that out in the offseason if you want. Anyway, that is the trash done for week one of the NFL playoffs. Why don't we run through our question time? We got a we got a few this week. One coming up now from at Jimmy Moore five. What do we got, Jimmy? What do we got for me? Did the Lions already play their Super Bowl? Will they be able to get up for this week's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or is this the end of the road? Hmm. Interesting one. Similar to what I said earlier, they they put a lot into that game against the LA Rams. A lot of it was talked about with the whole Matthew Stafford thing. There's a lot of emotion coming into that game, given his time in Detroit for how much work and effort, I guess, he put in around the community to get him going. So are they going to be fully focused on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a match that they should win? I'm going to say yes. This is not the end of the road for the Detroit Lions. To be honest with you, they should kick Tampa's ass. They really should. If they are completely locked in and they give me the vibe that they're going to be because they've got a coach that would literally run through a brick wall for them. I don't think they're going to see that as a huge big-time win over the Rams. At the end of the day, they were the third seed. They see themselves as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Maybe the rest of the league doesn't because they you know, they always feel like, I don't know, San Fran are better than them or Dallas were better than them or Philly were better than them. No, they, they clearly weren't because they're gone now. So <laughs> Detroit are six or seven-point favorites against the 10 Bay Buccaneers for a reason. They are the clear better team in this instance. So... I think they get on them early against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because it's a matchup that they should win and should dominate. I understand their secondary is somewhat concerning, but they're not going to lose in front of the home crowd. No way. No, no way. And especially with the coach that they have right now. So this is one of those years where the opportunity is there to at the very least make an NFC title game. Will they beat the San Francisco 49ers if that is the matchup? I don't know. But they're going to give themselves every possible chance of getting this done. And, yeah, this is not the end of the road for Detroit. They are marching on to the NFC title game for sure. For sure. Thanks for your question there, Jimmy. Let's check a couple of questions from at Kate Winnie. She's been very big on the NFL playoffs. So... She's got two questions here. First on Tampa Bay is how was this expected or unexpected with their somewhat fairy tale run to week two of the NFL playoffs? 100% unexpected. We've said it time and time again though that NFC South division is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> it is. But I still didn't expect this team, nor did their organization, expect this team to be in week two now of the NFL playoffs, and especially with someone like Baker Mayfield. But I'm also happy for him because he was seen, I guess, as the scapegoat 
to a certain extent uh, while he was in Cleveland, even though he was probably one of the most successful quarterbacks in Cleveland history of late, winning a playoff game. So, yeah, I'm happy for the guy for sure, but I really just want him to get beat in week two. (laughs) I do. And your next question on the coaching situation. It is a coaching free-for-all right now. Who goes where? Well, there's a lot of coaching interviews going on right now. Jim Harbaugh, in particular, has been interviewed by just about everyone. Bill Belichick was also interviewed by the Atlanta Falcons. That one I see is very, very weird. I don't love that fit at all. I can see him going to the LA Chargers, for sure. Bill Belichick, I'm going to give him that job. I'm going to think that Jim Harbaugh may surprise everyone and stay in Michigan. He might try and go for back-to-back natties. I don't know. Because I think Mike Vrabel is taking that job in Atlanta. Now that the New England job got taken up by Gerard Mayo, I think a lot of people would have thought Vrabes was cash money to take that gig. I think he walks into the Atlanta job. And yeah, it... If Harbaugh doesn't go back to Michigan, then yeah, I guess it is out of him and, and Belichick to go to the LA Chargers. It's an appealing job. It's obviously in a, you know, who wouldn't want to be coaching a team that plays in LA and so far with Justin Herbert. There's clearly weapons there. So yeah, I think it's 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 out of those two for sure in LA. Cause it doesn't, I don't get the vibe that Vrabes would, I don't know, want to take, I guess, the Chargers gig or it doesn't fit him. I think he'll stay down south in Atlanta there. But time will tell going to get very very interesting all right thank you for your questions this week team why don't we try and find some best bets for the playoffs in a week to the divisional round coming up this weekend Sorry about that. <laughs> Audio issue there. So playoffs week one. How do we go? We went four and one in our best bets. Probably should have went five and zero. Oh. That Lions result. We had the over fifty one and a half there. Again, having thirty eight at halftime, pretty stiff not to go over. But we'll take four and one at the end of the day. Takes us to twenty and seventeen overall. Reels went one and. Four. Five, once again, the combinations killing me. 16 and 36 overall in the year. The big result, though, being the touchdown double with Josh Allen and Dalton Kincaid hitting at a nice little plus 575. The Dallas one. I don't know how that doesn't win. Aaron Jones into CD Lamb. That was tough to, to lose that one, given CD dropped two in the end zone. And Aaron Jones scored three, so <laughs> pretty tough there. We'll hit on all of our touchdowns for week two in tomorrow's show. It's a bonus episode again coming up for the playoffs in week two, so we're going to run through our best bets for this week's action. In the Baltimore-Houston game, we're going to go with two props right now. We don't have a line or total bet so far there, so we're going to take Lamar Jackson over 221.5. Passing yards in that one, and Devon Singletary over 54.5 rushing yards there in that contest. We'll hit on reasons why tomorrow in our Week 2 playoff show. 
Next game, we will take the over 50.5 in the San Francisco Green Bay game. As mentioned earlier, Green Bay are not afraid to put some points up on the board, and San Fran are playing a pretty average defense, so I think they're going to have their fair share of points too. That game should hit the 60s, you'd think. Next contest, we're going to go with the Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Going to take Detroit minus the 6.5. I think they should win by double digits in this one. Again, I don't think the the moment's going to be too big for them. If, if there was ever going to be a moment too big for them, it was last week against the LA Rams. So we're going to see how good this Detroit Lions team is this week. And we'll also take the over 48.5 in that game because Baker Mayfield against a pretty suspect secondary should be able to do his thing. But also Jared Goff is going up against one of the worst secondaries as well. So you'd like to think he is going to be active in that one with a Monroe St. Brown. Look for him to have a big one. In our last game, a game that's probably, once again, going to break the internet. (laughs) I don't think it's going to go to overtime this time around, but it should be a pretty tight battle. We are going to stick with the Buffalo Bills, though, minus the 2.5 at home. It's the first time Buffalo are going to face the Kansas City Chiefs in a playoff game. Buffalo defeated twice by the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs the last few years, so Buffalo finally get their chance to knock Patrick Mahomes out of the playoffs with his first match on the road in his postseason career. We're going to hit on all that and a whole lot more on tomorrow's episode in our Week 2 playoff preview. For now, that is all she wrote for today. So I appreciate all you guys tuning in. As always, at Trash Talk with Dborg on Instagram and TikTok. Follow away there for plenty more content that will be coming your way this week. I look forward to coming back to you again tomorrow with our playoff preview week two. This has been Trash Talk with Dborg. I am out of here for today. Thank you very much.